Hello everyone, welcome to the Neurodivergent Experience. I'm Jordan James, also known as the Autistic Photographer, and I'm joined by my co-host and very good friend, Simon Scott. For our first episode of the Neurodivergent Experience, we start with what makes me autistic. What makes you autistic, Jordan? My haircut. (laughs) Obviously, it's the haircut because, as we all know, autism has a look. Uh, In case anyone doesn't understand, I am being sarcastic. There's how the world sees me as autistic, and then there's how I see myself as autistic. So what makes me autistic is the fact that, number one, I can hyperfocus. So I'll, I'm going to start with the positives here. It's an incredible ability. It means that I can latch on to a subject or um, a person. Sometimes that's not as good. Um, and I can learn everything I need to know about that to like a ridiculous degree, like a, a degree level degree in, in some cases. Um, it means that I can teach myself things. It means that I can go into great detail when I learn about things rather than it. So I call it tree learning over forest learning. When I see a forest, I will count all the trees and I will know every, every type of tree, everything about the trees, all the trees in the different seasons, what type of forest it is before I will call it a forest. Whereas a neurotypical person will see a large group of trees and go, well, that's a forest. Uh, Both of us are correct. I'm just much more detailed because I can hyper-focus and I can, but it it does take a long time to do anything like that when you're hyper-focused. The other thing is, and this is a stereotype, but it is true of me. I I can't stand eye contact. I I think, I think, I think people are like seriously mad if they think looking directly into someone's eyes is is totally okay i i had to learn to do it and when i'm younger and i'm told like you know you know it's respectful and you know you should look at people in the eyes and ah it's awful it's it's a horrible thing to do It, it it gives me no pleasure whatsoever and the only eyes i like looking into are my wife's uh my wife's eyes because they're beautiful and I love her, but she's also autistic because she keeps looking away. (laughs) We kind of look a bit deranged when we're trying to look at each other, but to us, it's like, this is how we are. It's fine. Uh, Another pretty obvious thing. I, I (laughs) see this 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 is where it gets emotional. I've always wanted to be around people, but I never felt like I really fit in. No, no matter how much I tried, I just couldn't quite, get it. So I I would constantly change the way that I was around other people in order to fit in but it because it, it wasn't it was never actually me I would always fail. I would fail to pretend to be something I'm not but I would constantly keep doing it. I was bullied quite badly, ostracized and I think in the journey of discovering why I'm autistic or, or what what makes me autistic, that that is a big that is a big part of my journey is is understanding the fact that around different people I will act differently depending on who I'm around. Like I'm a chameleon, I'm always trying to sort of blend in with the people around me just so I can fit in because I'm very uncomfortable with being my true self. 
I'm less like that now, but that is definitely was is something that's very, very autistic, as it were, about me. The other thing is that uh, I stim. I stim and I, I love to stim. I used to dislike it a lot. I used to dislike most things about myself, to be honest, but I, I love stimming. There's stereotypical stims. Stimming is, is basically, it's a, a voluntary or involuntary action, or even if it's making a sound, making a movement, touching something, feeling something, looking at something, anything that we can enjoy that calms us, that relaxes us, that de-stresses us, or it's even a way that I share, uh, show joy. So if I'm really happy, I might just start flapping my hands or, you know, um, you know, flapping my arms around. And that, that, that's, that's, that's kind of the one that like people, uh, people who aren't me, other people, they'll be like, oh, I think that dude's autistic. <laughs> look, look at him jumping on the spot and flapping his arms around. That dude's definitely autistic. But if I'm not doing stuff like that, then it's really hard for people to tell because that's the point of what I was saying at the beginning. It's my haircut that makes me autistic is because people think that autism has some sort of look. So I can't, you can't look autistic. So there's, there's no way of really people telling that I'm autistic other than getting to know me and, and, and hearing my story. Here's my question for you. Do you ever notice things that I do? that makes you go, oh, yeah, no, I definitely see that he's autistic. Yes, because I recognize myself in you. But while you were actually talking there, Jordan, I felt a couple of moments of feeling quite emotional because you're repeating what I feel or have felt for a very, very long time. I didn't recognize stimming until I realized what it was. I bite my lip constantly. I can't keep my face still. And when you're talking about eye contact, I was brought up just as a, as a as almost like a microcosm of, of respect is when you shake somebody's hand, you have to look them in the eye. I've found a lot of my life looking people in the eye and can feel the rest of my body almost shaking, almost like ricocheting away and the energy escaping in different places. I just thought, what's going on with me? Why do I feel like this? There's something wrong with me. Why can't I just fit in? And when you were saying about, you know, the social interactions, I've always felt like a moon just floating around the earth, desperate to have a full life full of color and going, why can't I get this? Why can't I get that? And the only thing that I kind of notice, honestly, about saying you're autistic is the almost like the social cues. You speak confidently. You say you are good at things unapologetically. And there is almost this like societal prejudice in my head that goes, don't talk about the things that you're good at. Don't boast. Don't, you know, say, oh yeah, I am a good looking guy. No, you can't say that. That's smug. That's having an ego. But there's almost like all of these little, I don't really want to say the word excuses, but almost like societal reasons as to why you shouldn't behave this way. And a lot of my life, I've tried to fight it or hide it or hidden it to the point of I've forgotten that I do it. Talking about being a chameleon, I've got friends that are, you know, I almost am afraid of putting them in the same room because I can't be all those different people with those people at the same time. And a lot of anxiety comes from that. But like you say, what makes me autistic? My haircut. 
it, it really does string a chord with me because I had a pre-built prejudice of what I thought autistic people looked like. And it is the wearing headphones constantly, stimming, not being able to sit still, speaking, you know, vocally or not understanding social cues. Like I've said, the only time that I recognize your autistic Jordan is when you make me aware of it or you, you're, you're talking about it and I recognize my own symptoms or of, of how I'm feeling or, or what I'm expressing in you. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's eye-opening and it, it's almost very like reassuring to know that it's not just me that struggles with this or feels these things. Yeah, I think, I, th- I think it's important to realize that there's, there's the diagnostic criteria. It's, it's a tick boxing exercise and it is, it's useful to get a diagnosis if you, if you need a diagnosis. You know, we can go our whole lives without needing one. Unfortunately, it, it means that we lose out on a lot of privileges, benefits, a lot of help lot of much needed support. So getting a diagnosis is helpful. The, the diagnostic criteria is, is so far from the truth of what actually makes me autistic. It's laughable. So right at the beginning, you know, the, I, I, I had to look at the stereotypes of it because that's where it comes from. And diagnostic criteria is the stereotypes. The fact is, is that I talk over people. I monologue. I have uh, severe sensory, I don't want to say issues because it, that completely depends on my environment. According to the, the, the diagnostic criteria, they are issues, they are problems, which is, again, why I hate it. It's always a negative, negative. But you know, if, we're, if, if we're saying, okay, what makes me di- diagnosed autistic is that I have hypersensitive hearing, so I do need to wear headphones in certain situations or earbuds just to sort of take the edge off. I always always wearing sunglasses pretty much i absolutely my 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 eyesight is is very very sensitive my eyes water too much sun is not so bad it's fake light if if i'm like in a in a, in a shop or I, for me one of the worst places is you know in this is like really specific in in like airports and they've got the duty free areas in the airports oh my god yes they're so bright I thought I died when I went in one month. Oh, it, it's literally like going out of a completely dark box and then suddenly going into like the Gobi Desert with just like sun in your eyes and like looking directly at the sun. It's just walking through the duty-free in the airport. So I always have to wear sunglasses if I'm in the airport and I always have my headphones on because, but also you've got that sensory, my, my smell is incredibly sensitive. Even to the point where when I was a kid, if I, it, I used to go into like Debenhams or something like that, and I'd also want to go straight to mm. the toy section or the clothes section or whatever. And I used to sprint, and I'm not even joking you, people would look, and I would sprint. Even, even as an adult, I would do this. I've got better lately. But I would sprint through the perfume section because you always, like even going into like boots or somewhere like that, you go straight, it's perfume section is the first section you come across. And I, it was a sensory nightmare. The other one was at the back of uh, any supermarket where the fish bit was. Oh, yeah. I would go 50 feet from that and it would be like someone's rubbing fish, like rotten fish in my face. It was so intense. It's not like that anymore because I think I've got used to these smells. I think uh, like eventually it's not like my, my senses have dulled. I've just got used to them. I've got used to those smells. But I still have problems if like wearing certain cologne. After a while, it just smells like chemicals. It's like my nose 
is so sensitive, it, I can actually smell the chemicals over the scent. So it just smells like chemical. That's like a big thing. But no one would ever know that just by looking at me or talking to me. I have to express these things. I have to tell people these things. This is why I think it's so difficult for young people, especially people who have um, uh, communication difficulties, whether it be like non-speaking or limited speaking or just alexithemia, which is like this where, where you can't really express how you feel in the way that most people would expect you to. It's so difficult. I'm, I'm really lucky. I'm very so fortunate that I'm able to explain. I think it's good. I'm 42. I've been around the block. I, I can do it because I've got to the point where I'm confident enough to be able to talk about these things and not, not see them as, as like, oh, I'm broken or there's something wrong with me. Because I think a lot of people, they, are, they, they don't want to advertise. They have a vulnerability. Whereas me, I'm okay with it. But certainly when I was a kid, I, I would never want to tell people what was going on with me because I, I had enough people picking on me for things like my stimming, my tics. I, I, I was very uncomfortable being too close to people. That was another very stereotypical thing for me. I don't do well in crowds. I can do crowds, <laughs> yeah, but the, yeah. it has to be completely on my terms. Like I can go to a football match or I can go to a concert and I'm fine. But if I'm walking down the street and suddenly there's a, it's really crowded, there's an unpredictable nature that I, and it was, it's more like I wasn't really expecting that. It's, it's that unpredictability rather than uh, like a claustrophobic crushing feeling. I never feel that. It's the unpredictability of strangers. So for me, I don't really see it as a, as a being autistic thing. I see it as a, I, I, as like a trust issue. So I was abused as a child. I was bullied so badly as a child. I have a fear of strangers. I have a fear of the unknown. So if I'm, this is why I love nature and, and photography, where the senses, they, they go from disability to ability because I can smell and I can hear and I can see and I can experience and touch and feel nature in, in and I'll, I'll experience nature like no neurotypical will ever be able to experience it. But neurotypicals will be able to, experience a town and a city or a crowded area in in relative with relative ease which i cannot so that that for me there there's there, that's what makes me autistic is that is that unique difference between me and a neurotypical but for you it might be something you're completely different from a neurotypical but you might be completely different from me as well so, which is why the idea of being autistic is so personal to each individual that's why i get so annoyed at the idea there's 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 you have to tick a box to say you're autistic because i think that autistic people are more individual than each other than neurotypicals are so if i was to say what group of people i think are more similar to each other i would say neurotypicals and the way their brains develop is far more that is far more typical, far more alike to each other, which is the ironic thing is because we're the ones that are treated like we're all the same. But for me, for me, it's the other way around. I've never had it, had it described to me like that before, but it makes so much sense. It just makes so much sense because I have literally no sense of smell at all. 
my hearing is is ridiculous ridiculously like sensitive i have to wear loop earphones 90% of the time i'm always wearing headphones like you were saying i've been going to concerts since i was 14 i used to work in music journalism so i was going to concerts 2 3 4 times a week never felt uncomfortable i'm more than happy i've been in more mosh pits with my t-shirt off covered in other people's sweat than i can count but if somebody brushes against me who i like it's not necessarily like uh, unexpected but i don't i don't choose to have them touch me that oh i just feel awful absolutely awful and you also hit a good point of walking down the street and seeing an army of strangers because of the fact that I was bullied and I've, I've, I have a lot of trust issues, especially with people I don't know. I live in Manchester. There have been times when I've walked through a crowd of football fans coming the opposite way and I'm terrified and I know I shouldn't be and I know that I should feel fine or, or comfortable, quote unquote, should be. But just a couple of things you've said there have, have really, really resonated with me. Even though I don't really have a great sense of smell, every time I walk through a perfume department, I hold my breath. And if it takes me a minute to walk through it and I'm going blue, so be it. I'm not breathing in, not for life or money. Honestly, Jordan, I can't believe some of the things you've said there, how much they've resonated with me. I really hope they do resonate with you guys that are listening because I've always felt very, very different to other people from a very, from an extremely young age. I've always been described as like an old man in a young boy's body. I'm sure a lot of people have heard that term before. Oh, yeah. He's got an old head, but ooh, he's very immature. Oh, he's very wise, but <laughs> ooh, still playing with Legos. When when I was five, I people described me as like a thirty year old, and when I was thirty, people described me like a five year old. <laughs> why? Why? Why is that, George? I was as I am all. I am all ages at all times. Yeah, I am a wise old man, but I I have He Man figures. I, I play with my Mario Kart toys. I'm just unashamed, unashamedly me, and and dyslexic at the same time i'm getting there i had i had a great moment i say a great moment a great example recently i've been doing a couple of cover shifts in a bar and i was fine with the sound or fine with the smells i'm fine with getting my hands wet things like this there was one moment where i picked up a menu and put it under my arm and it was sticky and it stuck to the inside of my arm and the middle of my inside. Now, the reaction that Jordan has just made is what I did for 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. And I had to go and sit in a disabled toilet and I was like a cat in a cage. I was like, I, I stripped off, I took my t-shirt off, I took my jumper off and I washed myself from head, from like waist up. And luckily I had a very understanding manager because instantly she was like, go have 10 because I can see, I was just like, get it off me, get it off me, get it off me. And do you know what? A year ago, I would have really punished myself for that. I would have been like, you loser. What are you like? Why are you doing this? Get a grip, man up, all these things that kind of you, you get told to try and be like everybody else. It was the, I think it's the first time I've, unapologetically allowed myself to truly stim when I've been uncomfortable. And it would have affected me for two, three days afterwards if I'd just kind of gone <gasps> and bottled it all up. It's like it just sits in this mm. inside your chest, like rumbling like a diesel engine waiting to come out. Like exactly like you said, bottling it up. It's like shaking up a Coke bottle. Yeah, it would have led to a meltdown two, three, four days later. But in that 10 minutes of, yeah, I was in a disabled toilet using hand soap, 
literally washing a sticky patch under my armpit and then was like, well, I've started there. I've got to do everything just in case. And I'm not like that. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. And I, I, like if, if, if something really, really grosses me out, then it will gross me out. But I, I don't have that need to be clean. If anything, I'm, I'm a, a filthy creature. That's what my <laughs> wife so it's a pet name for me. That's fair. But you know, it's so it's so funny you say that in that I, I'm sure a lot of people will relate to this. I didn't necessarily realise this was associated with being autistic, is like temperature control. Oh yeah. Like big I go time. from being really hot, really cold. I struggle with sweating. My like sometimes I'll just be wearing a jumper in the house and I go, Oh, my back's like Niagara Falls. Thanks. Enjoy that image. But I have to shower. <laughs> I have to shower in the morning and I have to shower before I get in bed because if I feel like I'm carrying the dirt of the day, I'm then just like almost like rolling around in my own filth at night. I, I go to bed sweating. <laughs> after, like I'll, I'll go to the gym, um, play some basketball, do a workout. I'll come home. Don't say it, Jordan. Don't say it, Jordan. And if I'm too tired, I'll just go to bed. No. And, and Sylvia's like, why does your side of the bed smell of vinegar? And I'm like, um, <laughs> this is how I know that I, this is why I look so young because I'm preserving You're myself it away. in vinegar. Oh, you're pickled. I'm you're just pickling I, yourself. I'm pickled. I'm pickling myself. I'm a, hum, I'm a human um, gherkin <laughs> that's, that is just preserved perfectly because I'm 42 and yeah, I know. Like, yeah, for I, um, those that are watching this, he's a. Doesn't he look good? Yeah, yeah. Isn't he done well. That's a good point. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Well, I mean, I'm just going to tell people I look like I look 18. I mean, if you can't see it, then it is. It is me. annoying that people may. <laughs> you know, obviously, this podcast you can watch it as well as listen to it. There will be times when people will look at our two faces and they'll go, "Oh yeah, that's the 42 year old one," and I'm like, "Thanks, guys. <laughs> really appreciate that. I'm haggard." One Thank of you. these people, one of these people are in their 40s. Can you guess which one? No one's ever going me. I'm sorry about this, man. <laughs> what do you think that's down to? Do you think that's down to genetics or your mindset? Do you know what? I always thought it was just genetics, but but I actually have found out that 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 is another thing that is an autistic trait is this like youthfulness. And I think, I think it comes down to the fact that we are so youthful. So mm. this is, this leads to another perfect point of why I know I'm autistic. Okay. So my brain is all ages at all times, like, like, like we said. So there is a childlike quality to being autistic, but the problem with that is we are, we are treated like children. It's like, if I, if I just go up to someone and just start talking to them, then they will talk to me, you know, as an equal, as an adult. As soon as I say, oh, I'm autistic, suddenly their voice turns a little bit like this. Oh. You can call me childish. I don't care. I don't see that as a negative. Being childish, to me, it like if you say, oh, being childish, that's terrible. Isn't that like, I don't know, some sort of ism, to, like childism? <laughs> What's wrong with being a kid? Like, I think most people would love to still be a kid and have no responsibilities. How many books are there on finding your inner child? Exactly, literally. My, my inner child is on the outside. I have an inner child. I have an outside child. I have, I'm, I'm just a child. But when I need to be an adult, when I have to do adulting, you know, I can be an adult. That's another thing that makes me autistic is this need for altruism, this need to be in control, to have control. Mm. And it's, it's not. It's not because uh, it's not because I'm a male. It's not because I'm dominant or I'm a bully. I'm desperate 
to be in control of my surroundings because in most circumstances, in most situations, I feel very much out of control. I don't have control. And that feeling of out of control is scary. It's terrifying. I'm, I'm not even going to sugarcoat. I'm not even going to man. I'm like, oh, I'm a tough guy. It is terrifying to not have that control. I need autonomy. I work within security. I've worked very hard to get to where I am. I've been, I've been doing it for, for over 22 years. And as a first line manager, I'm not so in control that I have like loads of responsibility, but I'm in control enough that I can cope with the responsibility I do have. But also I don't get constantly told by a whole bunch of people what to do all the time. And I, so I, I have autonomy to a certain extent and I need that. And I'm not the type of person, I don't enjoy bossing people around. That's not me. People think that I'm being controlling because I do boss people around. So that's what it sounds like, that I'm bossing people around or that I'm demanding things of people. But it's not. It's almost like if I'm trying to set up a chess set, everything goes in its place. And this is what a lot of people will say about autistic people, that we need routine and we need things to, we need neatness and we need order. and it, that that's not true for me. It's more about I need my own order. I need my own routine, but that routine might change daily. As long as I've decided that that, that I'm going to do it, what I hate is when other people make decisions for me. So other people will be like, okay, I need you to get up at this time and I need you to wear this outfit and I need you to go to this place and I need you to act like this. And And I'm like, none of those things are going to happen because you told me that I need to do them. Okay, I need to get up at this time. I need to wear this and I need to go and do this. I need to act like this. So I'm going to have to get up at seven o'clock. I'm going to have to wear some comfortable clothes because I'm, and I'm going to go to the airport and then I've got to be uh, like focused, mentally strong. Sylvia really struggles at airports, even though I struggle as well. I know she struggles more. So I'm going to have to be the one that, that really steps up so I can look after Sylvia because she gets so nervous about travel. She gets so nervous about going places and new places. And I'm like, okay, I'm her best friend. I'm her partner. This is my job. I'm going to step up. There are demands on me that are going to be in place and I will do those things because that's my choice and because I've decided to do those things and I know what I'm doing. But if somebody else tells me to go and do it, that's when I struggle. That's the, that's the demand avoidance. The PDA, pathological demand avoidance, part of being neurodivergent, I have that to, to such a high level that I will be laying in bed and going, and I think this is the whole washing thing. Okay, so it's not the fact that I'm filthy. I'm, I'm really not. I don't, I don't like being filthy. I don't like smelling. But I'm like, I must go and have a shower. And I'm demand avoidant to myself. So I'm like, what did you just tell me? Who the hell do you think you are? So, so if other people are going to go and tell me what to do, yeah, right. What chance do they have? Like, if I can't tell myself what to do, right? This is like this is a real life situation. That's why we're here to talk about our real lives, talk about our experiences. So, I I, I do talks, and somebody's like, okay, we've got a contract. We need you to sign um, for 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 this talk. You know, like a waiver thing, right? And I go, okay, cool. When does that need to be in by? Oh, don't worry about it. Oh, oh no. You will never good. get that back. I mean, you, you know that in preparation for this podcast, you sent me a whole bunch of stuff. And, and this was like over a week ago. 
And it was it wasn't even that long. It was like, it was like a two minute video of how to, how to enter like this shared like workspace. Workspace. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was so easy. And I didn't do it till 50 minutes before that we started this podcast because I was like, well, I don't need to do it. I don't need to do it. I don't know. And, and it's not that I don't want to do it because I'm, ex- I'm so, I, I was so excited about this podcast. I'm, I am. I, I'm, I, this is, for me, this is one of the, my favorite things I'm going to do this year. I still can't do it until like even, even 50 minutes beforehand, I was like, can I get a game of Call of Duty in before I do this? <laughs> Do you know what? It's, it's so funny, all of these things that you say. Uh, I work freelance because if someone tells me to be in at 9am, I will wake up at 1 o'clock, at 3 o'clock, at 5 o'clock, at 7 o'clock, because I am terrified of oversleeping my alarm. But with demand avoidance, it's recently watched a film on Netflix that came out, which is about the Uruguayan plane crash that happened in the Andes in 1972. Don't get me started. So Pacific. <laughs> Last night, it's quarter to one and I go I have to be up tomorrow for Jordan because I've got to get all the notes together do all of this properly I turn to my partner press pause and go right I'm going in the shower it's bedtime got the tv turned off in the classroom can we watch it in the morning and because I knew that I could like right that's it I need to get up extra early now because I need to watch the last hour of that film have 15 minutes to process then I need to get in the shower and then I need to do this and I need to do that then I'll get those notes together then I'll just oh, I don't want to do it anymore. And kind of almost got myself in this like paralysis by analysis where I was like, oh no, I've trapped myself in tasks and I don't want to do any of them now. 100%. I'm, I just, I got up half five this morning, came downstairs to watch the basketball. Um, Bucks won. Hell yeah. And I, then I went and played basketball, injured my son, went and got a haircut. Oh, I don't want to do this podcast. Ah, <laughs> uh, you don't, do you, though? I 100% want to do the podcast. I'm looking forward to it. But my brain's going, yeah, but you could, you, you could be watching more basketball. So I talked about hyperfocus, and hyperfocus has a lot to do with special interests. But hyperfocus isn't just what special interests are. Because hyperfocus for me is more about learning and understanding something and then just constantly doing it. But special interests can also be like objects or things or for me, basketball. And this is very much uh, an ADHD thing at the same time. I mean, for me, we'll get into this another time, but for me, it's, it's not the same diagnosis. Absolutely, it's not the same diagnosis. Yeah. But for me, it, it, it's the same brain. It's, it's, it's an alternative neurotype. When, when, when I, I get into something like basketball, yeah. I end up jerseys, 24 of them. Whoa. Yeah, 24. Most of them eBay jobbies. I'm not going to say fake because they're not. Oh, I, do you know, I don't, I don't buy into this. <laughs> they're whole, they're, they're just cheaper. They're just, yeah. They're, I, mean, they're, I mean, they are actually real jerseys. They're, they're actually replica jerseys, mm. but they're, they're still official. And then there's, there's the, but they're only like 20, 25 quid. And then you've got like ones that are like a hundred quid. And I've never spent that on a jersey because mm. I always get them like when they go in on sale and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I've got a few of like, like the official ones and the material's thicker, but I won't wear them for playing basketball because the material's so much thicker. So I'd sweat so much more. So I actually prefer the, the actual lifelike game jerseys. Mm. 
and this is how you know I'm autistic. Yeah. <laughs> because I could talk about that. And that, 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 this is the greatest thing is I can talk about that forever. And I don't need you to say anything. I just, I just need you to look relatively interested. But the wonderful thing about not doing eye contact and not yeah, recognizing I was about to say this. is yeah. I can completely deny the fact that you don't care what I'm talking about. So I think for me, why I don't recognize facial expressions is because I'm not looking at you because I'm too scared that somebody's not interested in what I'm saying. So I'm just like, yeah. I'm just going to look away. I'm going to look around. I'm going to look everywhere. And keep going. And I'm just going to keep going until that person dies of boredom. And, you know, in, 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 until someone passes out, I'm just going to keep <laughs> going. <laughs> but I, I've, I've learned, this is definitely me when I first got diagnosed, but I, I've learned I don't do that. So if I, if I get into something new like basketball, it's the only people I will talk to about basketball is people who want to know about basketball. So I've got all my photography friends. I won't talk about basketball with them. Maybe a little bit. To the like a point with oh yeah I'm really interested. Or I watched a game this is today. I'm interested or, yeah, in. yeah, yeah. But like some of them like motorbikes, which I don't like at all. Some of them like uh, fishing or something. So you know, they, they'll, they'll have other interests, but I'm like I don't care about them. So if I don't care about those, I I I will still have a like a like a gentle conversation. But I've learned weirdly enough without having to have therapy and being told. I should do this and do that. I've learned myself. I've taught myself how how to not dominate a conversation because that's not a conversation. Yeah. So this is yeah. why I like doing speaking talks. This is why I like doing webinars and things like that because I can just go on and go on about one of my favorite ever special interests, which is being neurodivergent. You know. So it's it's great doing this podcast because it's like, oh, what are you doing a podcast about? And go, well, it's one of my special interests. The special interest thing I think was the thing that kind of alerted me most to questioning whether I was neurodivergent or not, because I used to really struggle to break that monologue, that conversation where somebody would ask me a specific question on something. And it's like, oh, you really want to know? And it's just like, that's it. You're going to learn everything that I know about this in the shortest amount of time possible. The hurt of rejection that I used to get a lot from people that would just be like, yeah, all right, mate, and not be interested in what I was interested in or found it very difficult to find people that were interested in the things that I was interested in because I'm I'm sure you'll you'll touch on basketball hasn't always been your special interest or a hyper focus when when I was a kid I was obsessed like like that was my special interest was was, was basketball this is the Michael Jordan show yeah Jordan Neil, over the balls, Miller, right. Barkley you know 90s that 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 was when I was Utterly, utterly obsessed with it. Even to the point where like, it wasn't easy to get like kits and stuff. It was a difficult time, um, probably. I, yeah, I, 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 still, I, I actually got sent home from school because I had Shaq shaved into the back of my head during a haircut. What? And they sent me home from school because of that. And I'm like, so you're basically giving me the day off because I was expressing myself and my love of Shaquille O'Neal. And that means I can't learn. How is something written in the back of my head stopping me learning this? Oh, it's a distraction for the other kids. And, and we will get in, we will get into education. Oh my yeah, God, yeah. I'm going to lay into that. Like, oh God, <laughs> you just wait, you wait. God awful. The educational system is for most people, for definitely for autistic people in most circumstances, but no one else was into basketball really. 
you know, so I'd go to school and I'd always be the odd one out. And I was the odd one out anyway. Yeah, it makes it even harder then, yeah. My my my, my dad was great. Like he, he was not a good dad. Don't don't even get me started. But he understood um because he was autistic himself, didn't know it, but we had that kinship, even mm. though it was unspoken, of when you when you're really into something, you're really into it. And this is the thing about special interests is that's what really defines me in my own mind as, as, as a thoroughly neurodivergent person is this, this special interest, this hyper-focus, this love of wanting to know everything about something, wanting to own everything to do with it, wanting to talk about it constantly. Mm. So my, my dad wasn't good with showing love. You know, he definitely was, had alexithemia. He wasn't really good at showing love, but he was, he was good at just buying me lots of things. You know, mm. we were quite a wealthy family with relatively posh. But my, my dad would always do his own thing. Like he, he would wear jackets till they fell apart. You know, he would drive an old Volvo because it was slightly bigger than the new model. Even though <laughs> the new model had all the fancy stuff, yeah. he was like, I don't care. It's all about size for me. He bought the same dogs. Every, every time a dog died, he would replace it with the exact same dog. Like, oh my God, what makes my dad autistic? Just everything that he ever did. I mean, he was into IT. He would build computers. He had like, he was incredible. Incredible, but oh my, socially he was mm. inept. He was useless as a father to care about the things that I was doing because he was he was so hyper fixated on the things that he cared about. Like <laughs> this is great stamps, coins, and cars. And this is my always my favorite OG classics. Yeah, trains. Oh my god, with the trains. Oh yes. Oh, the four horsemen of the autistic <laughs> apocalypse. We've got them all, ladies and gentlemen. We have bingo. <laughs> We have autism bingo, and his name is my dad. His name is my dad. He was autism bingo, and um, yeah, it, it just if I wanted to to communicate with him, if I wanted to ever spend time with my dad, and and believe me, I did. As a as a kid, you you want mm. to, you know, you want to be with your you dad, want to be yeah. with your dad. I definitely didn't want to be with my mother. <laughs> but that's another episode. I, I I would have to do the things that he liked. No, I'd have to like go cycling, I, I, you know, because mm. he was into participate. Yeah, yeah. I, I would have yeah. to go to stamp fairs. I, I, I collected my own coins. In fact, I started collecting stamps just to fit in with him. But I loved animals, so I would collect animal stamps. Like I had no, put your spin on dude, it. Dude, yeah. he could have bought me a grand's worth of stamps, and I, I have no idea because to him, it, 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 money didn't matter. It was, it was as long as he had that thing. This is what we call uh, they call it ADHD debt or, or neurodivergent tax. Oh, that's a good one. I I have a separate savings account that I put money into it just in case I want to buy something to do with my special interest. So it's like it's like my special interest account. So I have to save. That's a really good idea, separately. Jordan. So I've got like a savings account for like my car. And this took me a while to get to being an adult. This is my adulting. So I've got like, I've got my normal <laughs> bank account where all my direct debits come out. And then I've got a savings account for holidays and car, you know, if like you know, my, my new tires, you know, I would always get to a point every year where will be like, I need new tires. I'm like, I can't afford that. I'm like, how did you not know every single year you need to buy new tires it's for your the same car? same every year. So yeah, yeah, why, yeah. why are you not prepared for that? It's like you were prepared to buy a new Chelsea shirt every year. Why are you not prepared to buy new yeah, tires every right? year? It's like, cause, that makes total because sense. Because Chelsea shirts interested me and tires didn't. But but now I'm, now I'm adulting. I'm, I'm getting better at it. Now I save and I make sure that I have money for service, money for that. But I've always got money just in case, like, I don't know, something breaks and it's like, oh, it's a 600 quid to fix, which happened to me. And it's like, oh, rather than, oh, I put that on a credit card, 
it's like, oh, I actually, I've actually got that because I've been saving for that. But then I'll have another account where I'm saving deliberately. I see it all the time. Uh, ADHD people getting into severe debt. It, it, it's happened to a very close friend of mine who got himself into severe debt over like Pokemon cards. Oh, what a slippery slope trading cards are at the moment, man. And Lego. And Lego is so expensive these days. Yeah, this is so this, expensive. And, and the thing is, this, this is a guy in his 30s, right? And, and like, it comes to me, like, oh, I'm in debt because of this and this and this. And my first, I, I think most people's first reaction, because most people go, oh, I'm really in debt oh, because I've racked up a credit card buying clothes or shoes, cars. Adult, adult, yeah, yeah. yeah, cars, car, cars and stuff like that. But when someone comes who's in their 30s and they go, oh, yeah, it's Pokemon cards and Lego, my reaction isn't, well, that's a weird thing to get in debt for. It's, that's a totally normal thing for a neurodivergent person to get into debt for. Yeah, yeah. We should never put an age on anything, like anything ever. Because when, 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 you are, when you're neurodivergent, like I keep saying, you are all ages at all times. And my, my special interests will, will go from like Jordan's, <laughs> changing my name by the way changing my name to jordan is not part of my like it's, that's not an adhd <laughs> thing that is that is a very long thought out process and the reason why i ended up on jordan because my original name was a name that was used against me so much when i was bullied which is why i was called joe and not jody even saying it now makes me cringe but i was named after my dad's hero who's a racing driver called jody Schechter. Oh, so right. when I when I changed it, I thought, well, I still want to be called Joe because I know that Sylvia would would struggle with change. And I mean, my kids just call me Dad anyway, so that was never going to yeah, change. Yeah. But I knew that Sylvia yeah. would have a problem. So, and I knew that there. Was, I know a lot of autistic people. I'm friends. All my friends are autistic, and I thought, okay, well, I need something that's begin. I'm going to begin with J O. So it's still okay if they call me Joe, but I I want it to be officially called a different name. And I was like, well, I wear Jordan trainers. I wear Jordan outfits. Michael Jordan is my childhood hero. I looked up to him, worshipped him, and I look up to him now. He is the goat of sport. He's the sport goat. He's the goat. He is the goat. He is the he is the goat of the lifetime. And I I just I just love him. And I was like, I can't. It's just so perfect that Jordan begins J O. I can still be Joe, and I can be Jordan, and and it makes me so so happy when people call me jordan it, it you you have no idea it just it just no, tingles. I'm really happy for you, mate. it's it makes me so happy plus i have socks with my name on it so it's perfect i never lose them yeah you don't have to stitch them in anymore just buy them yeah i mean every time i see someone else wearing <laughs> jordan i'm like dude that's mine you've got my jump on <laughs> <laughs> you know it's my oh. you know, you know it belongs to me right everything i'm i'm still waiting for 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 my money to come in I think we've we've gone over a lot about what makes me autistic. We have, yeah. And I think I think in in conclusion to it, for me, it's nothing and everything makes me autistic. And I think that's the key. There's nothing specific. It's everything because it is me. But there are similarities in experiences that give me a kinship with other autistic people rather than behaviors and traits. 
at the beginning of this episode, I was, I was in my mind fumbling to go, hmm, what makes me autistic? Everything and nothing. Because it's, it's so deeply ingrained in who I am, but I couldn't really necessarily put a finger on it until we, we started talking about it. And I feel like now I've, I've almost got a tool that I can go away and, and think about and uh, share with other people, really, and try and inter- in helping connect with other people. I feel a little bit, uh, a bit relieved, to be honest, after the conversation we've had, Jordan. So thank you for, uh, thanks for talking to me about it. This is, this is why I love this so much, because I can see your journey and I'm sure there's a lot of people out there listening right now who are having the same experience as you. They're feeling the same way. Yeah, I'm really glad that we're here. I'm really appreciative of you for giving me this opportunity to be able to do this because I could never do this without you. I just want to make sure that everybody listening, whether you're, uh, you're most likely going to be here because you're, you're a fan of my, my work, but I want you to realize that Simon is, is an amazing guy and I would not be able to do this without him. I, I want us to all do this together. This is our journey. I feel the same. I feel like I've, by doing this, we're really starting on a on a journey that I hope can bring a lot of inspiration to people, knowledge to people, even if it's just a moment of reassurance for how you feel for 10 seconds of our conversation. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please subscribe to this podcast to hear more from us. Please rate it. Please leave a review. Please stay connected with us. And we'd also love to hear from you guys as well. It's not just going to be our stories that we're going to be sharing. So feel free to reach out to us, thoughts, questions, suggestions. That would be invaluable. So thank you very much for being with us. Mm -hmm.